uh, to the Lord. Well, Father God, uh, Father, we just come uh, with hearts that rejoice in you. Father, we just rejoice uh, in your word. We rejoice in the fellowship of believers that we can worship you. And Lord, uh, today, as no different than any day, Lord, we just are so privileged to be able to come in the fellowship of your word. And Lord, we just uh, thank you that uh, we have a body of believers here that uh, sincerely and truly want to know you more through your word, that truly do exemplify the words of First Peter that desire uh, the pure milk of the word. And so, Father, today I pray that we can share in that fellowship today, Lord, that even your spirit will lead today in our uh, study of this uh, passage in Second Peter, that First Peter that just allows us, again, uh, a greater depth to appreciation uh, to how your, your spirit worked even through Peter. So we just can t- count this uh, time as uh, in great devotion and honor and glory unto you. And so we ask us your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, again, good morning to you. Questions are loaded with things, and uh, but I w- as we kind of go through some of the things and some of the discussions that you may have had, hopefully you're going to be able to share some personal things. And I really want to afford uh, time at the end, even as we look at the closing of this passage that we've been looking at in uh, in First Peter. At this place in our, our outline where we're, again, focused on the greatness of our salvation and, and much, much to go yet in our study. But if we were to have an objective today, and whether it is our objective as a class, but let's just say what would be Peter's objective if he, in, if he were to take this little passage that we're going to continue to look at today in First Peter, beginning with chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, and that would to have a craving for the Word of God. And the pure, it's referred to, he refers to it as the pure spiritual milk, the single-minded passion of the Word of God. And I want to focus primarily on this objective, and the fact is, is that initially you have that first question, says, how do you grow in the Word? Our tendency is to merely go and say, well, you need to be in the Word. But I think what we're going to look at today is the analogy that Peter gives us, I think helps us to lay a foundation to answers like that. In other words, to be in the Word, read the Word, to study the Word. Last week, uh, I spent a couple of minutes just by looking in, in, in review of what First Peter chapter 1 was. Since we took a break over the summer and we commenced last week, we simply just took First Peter and said, if we were to draw it out, it was a, a chapter that did focus on the greatness of salvation. Great truths were were highlighted and reviewed in the first 12 verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. Truths of salvation, inheritance, trials. The second part of 1 Peter chapter 1 is the application of that. And we have these places that he uses. And the word therefore in chapter 1 verse 13 separates these truths into application. And initially he, he launches right into this application that what does it look like and that in response to those great truths of salvation, the inheritance that we have in Christ, the trials that we are privileged to have through Christ, leads us to this focus on our hope, our call for holiness and honor. And this what leads us up to this second therefore, which is the beginning of chapter 2, verse 1. Now, 
as I segued last week, is that I, I tried to bridge the two that uh, where Mark had left off teaching actually back in June, which was in verse chapter 1, verse 22 to 25. So you want to open your Bibles and just so we can uh, to 1 Peter chapter 1. And if you look again at this end of these verses, we focused on the significance of the Word. This chapter... This, in this passage that we're looking at, from 22 all the way to chap, uh, chapter 2, verse 3, it just exudes, it, like it oozes with the power, the sufficiency, the authority of God's Word. In fact, it, if you're looking closely at there, if you just identified, and we talked about this last week, there's, a, there's like at least six different references to Scripture, to the Word itself. And so therefore, in ch- chapter 2, verse 1, separates... These two aspects, but yet we want to combine the theme or combine the message that we have because, therefore, I don't want us in any way to think that it begins a whole new thought. It doesn't. Today, it's pursuing the Word. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And what joins them, it's about this relationships, um, and about love, obedience, and the Word itself. Loving, for one, loving one another fervently in from previously, using the, uh, the Spirit uses the Word to produce life, being born again, in what the end of uh, chapter, excuse me, 1, verse 23. And then today, this Christian's new life, it cannot grow unless sins are renounced, is the first verse of chapter 2. And then finally, this milk of the Word that produces growth. And it is interesting to me, if you just take your Bible, go forward a little bit to Second Peter, chapter 1. <laughs> Just go to 2 Peter chapter 1. And I want you to see that there's a complementary truth that Peter continues again. Just kind of a preview into what's going forward. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Someone could read that. Steadfastness. Ends with love. You see this knowledge of Him. It's a very similar truth that Peter's going to continue with as in his second letter that we'll begin to look at in a few weeks. Mark, something like that? Yeah, we're almost there, right? <laughs> the overview of First Peter two, uh, two. And again, I, I always enjoy to map out the passage because what it does is it further emphasizes the key things and highlighting all those references to the word itself, truth, the seed, the word of God. But the word of the Lord endures forever. This referencing to the word being preached to you, going back even and connecting with chapter one, verses ten to twelve, and then therefore verses for this week, putting aside all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babies, longing for the pure milk of the word so that you may be grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Well, I'm reminded of something in the past two weeks, and it reminds me of this passage, and just go with me, okay? <laughs> There's two things. Is that a couple weeks ago... Um, had a chance to visit mom and dad. Just said, "Mom, we're coming down," and uh, she said, "Great, you know, come, looking forward to coming down there." So it was just Lori and I, and you know, when you don't have an agenda about something, you have this the time to just chat, talk. And going back home is that I had the opportunity. Is that I had a couple of things that were great reminders for me. One of the reminders, first of all, for me was that God graciously brought me to faith and gave me new life in Jesus Christ as a young 18-year-old uh, being raised with my mom and dad. And what made me think about it is, is that we were driving down and 
I was grew up in Yorkville, a little small little community. Now it's going to be a little bigger, but small little community. But what made me think about Yorkville was the fact that I've got a 35th uh, reunion coming up. Yikes! Um, but it made me think about you go back, right? You just think about some things when you were young in there. And I remember back, and that was the most. That was the first thing I thought of. It wasn't my high school days, <laughs> but I thought about. Salvation that God graciously gave me, Yorkville Baptist Church. And I remember going to that church, and literally it was the Word of God and the preaching of God's Word that day just opened my heart. The Spirit just opened it up to Him. I can't explain it other than it was precious. And it was this great reminder for me, okay, as I think about the past, and that is, is that how God came, called you. And sometimes we need to go back to those as great reminders for us. And I think that Peter wants us to be reminded of those things. In fact, isn't that what much of chapter 1 was about? The second thing, totally unrelated to that, was that when I walked in, is that what I saw, we walked through the garage, always to my mom and dad's house, and I was walking through the garage, and, and there in the garage is, is on the grill, on the boiling there, on a skittle outside in the garage is oil. Now, there's a certain, you're saying, well, what's the big deal about oil? But there's an odor that comes with, with cooking oil because what I know is is that mom's making tacos. <laughs> I mean, homemade tacos. Now, these are, the, t- the tortilla itself, she makes from scratch, rolls them out herself, with flour, there's nothing fresher than a, a tortilla just rolled out on the plate and then put on the on the grill, the griddle itself to make fresh ones. They take them then, she shakes them as she's making them, and then she puts them, she puts little toothpicks in them, folds them up, and then you deep fry them. Not good for you, of course. <laughs> but they deep fry them into the cooking oil, and there is an aroma that is something that, mmm... So what happens is, I immediately begin just salivating. I'm not even in through the garage in my mouth. It's all, I'm doing it right now. I'm, doing, <laughs> I'm thinking about those tacos. Because in my body is like craving those tacos. I just like cannot wait to dive into these tacos. And let me just tell you, the result of it is... You know how you order tacos, you get one or two. I mean, this was a six-banger, okay? <laughs> I mean, we're going to do... It's just because they just melt in your mouth. They're so awesome. Two great re- reminders that remind me of this passage. One is to go back in and remember your salvation. Remember our salvation, the greatness that we had in Christ. The secondly is to capture is what it really means to crave something. Now, for me, it was those tacos. But you know what? As I was talking about that, your mind may have been going right now to some place. It's like, you know what? I crave something. What is it? Well, I believe as we look back, is that as we, there's some remembrances that we have in those first verses. Just again as a summary. First of all, remember the word that saved you in verse 23. Peter, Peter writes, And having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. 
is remember the word that saved you. I remember the passage that he was preaching on. Pastor Beaudry, Yorkville Baptist Church. It was John. It was the Gospel of John that he was teaching through. I remember it so clearly. Remember the word that saved you. What about you? Anybody want to share? What was that word or experience? Kim? Awesome. Yeah. One of the things that we're going to point to is is that when we remember back, first of all, you get excited to share. Should it be any different right now? Another one is remember the nature and the character of the word that saved you. In, in verses 23 to 25, I'll read it. We're jotting those things down. That it's been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You know, that passage in Isaiah that he quoted there, it speaks of the faithfulness of God's promises. And you see this very nature and the character of God's word is that it's eternal. It's this eternal seed that we see. It is not temporary. And as we see much in that description of we see in Isaiah, that's what he's referring to, is us. We're, we're going to pass away. It's like the flower that passes away. The fresh grass is going to die. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Remember the nature and the character of the word that saved you. It endures forever. Lastly, the remembrance of the preaching of the word that saved you. The preaching of the word. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. You know, uh, I had a, um, had a chance this past uh, week to have lunch with someone. They were talking about just remembering back uh, to the fact is, is that what was it that attracted you to this church? What brought you to the church? Obviously, the Lord brought us to the church. But it was the preaching of the Word that made this the place that we've been a part of for 30 years. Preaching of the Word. And so I think what we were seeing with this and the significance of this is that these are these reminders for us, these principles to remember about the significance of the Word. From that, that's going to stir a response. Okay? And the response is really what Peter is going to continue with as he launches into chapter 2. So let's go there. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Someone could read that to just get us going on this. And what our focus will be today. All slander, like newborn babies, you may grow in... Okay, amen. The question that we're going to try to develop today is how do we, as individuals and as believers, how do we develop a desire... You can replace the word desire with whatever your Bible may have there. It may have craving. Okay? That there would be this desire <clears throat> that you may grow thereby. Desire the pure milk of the word. Or crave the pure milk of the word. How do you de- develop that? And we're going to look at five different practical principles that will help us to cultivate that into our life further. When we think about true godliness... When we look at true godliness, it's always marked off of what we've seen in Scripture even. The true mark of godliness is always there with a love for and a delight in God's Word. 
I'm just going to read a couple of passages for you, just for extra credit here. John chapter 8 has a couple of them. I'll just read a few, from, just from John 8. Again, since that was a special chapter in all. John chapter 8, verses 47. He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. He who is of God hears His words. In other words, those mark of true godliness is those who have believed as well as they will hear them. The word hear means to obey. Okay, John eight fifty one. It says, and um, most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Other passages in Job twenty three verse twelve, Job says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The psalmist. Psalm 1, starting right there. My first psalm. Godly man is blessed because he delights in the law of the Lord. David, in Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11, talks about the word of God being more desirable than gold. Fine gold, in fact. So it is the expression. And Jeremiah 15, 16 is one I want to read. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. The point is that the, that the characteristic of a genuine believer is this delighting in the word of God. I mean, there's just passages after passages after passages. In fact, just camp in Psalm 119 for a week or so, and you'll understand. So what's the point? So the point is, this delighting in the Lord, does it express your heart? Does it express your heart? You don't have to answer if you don't want to. Does it express your heart? And I want you to think about that question, because I believe that that's the very question that's behind the text of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3. to 3. In 2 Thessalonians 2.10, it talks about the love of the truth so as to be saved. In other words, this our salvation, there was this love of the truth itself. And so the question I asked earlier is, should it change where we're at? And so Peter starts in this study, and I, I want to re- read the end, and then go back to this verse 1. He has this word, therefore, as again this bridge between the previous passage, which talks again in verse 25 about the preaching of the word. Then you have this question, this sin, this sin verse, verse 1, and then you have this true exhortation that he gives us at the end, which says, As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word. So Peter begins, I want to, he wants us as the objective is to understand the analogy. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to jump ahead because I'll go back to verse 1 and we're going to go through that sequentially. But I want to jump to what would be his objective or his result. So he is using this analogy, and what tells me that it's an analogy is that he uses the word like, doesn't he? Okay? All right. Describe like a newborn baby. Braves milk. Tell me, what does it look like? Dependence upon? Describe that dependence, Terry, down to what does it sound like? Uh, what can you do about that? In fact, you got to get out of the way of it, right? Because it is, it is a craving. Like your doctor 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't mess uh, with a baby, right? You don't. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. You don't mess with a baby that, that is a newborn baby that's going for the milk itself. In fact, it is one of the, the, the priceless, precious images that I have of our three children when they were being breastfed. And that is, is that there was nothing that was going to get in the way. In fact, it, this is what I look at. <laughs> you know, that, it was a consuming thing. And that is essentially with this great analogy, this, this graphic analogy that we have, this longing for the pure milk of the word. And it's like a baby that longs uh, for milk. So, yes? That is the heart, right? Isn't that with this genuineness part, it is this crying out in that, and it's loud sometimes. And it gets louder when it's not being met, doesn't it? It's a great, great, great analogy there. So what's the first, uh, first reminder for us? Maybe the first practical point. The first one we're going to call is, is, is to remember the power that transformed you. Remember the power that transformed you. I'm simply going to reference this word, therefore. Because when you look at the word, therefore, it is telling me to what? It's a remember, right? Isn't it going backwards? And so, therefore, to go backwards, what's the first thing you go back to? Verse 25. The previous verses, 24, 23, they go back. That is the reminder. And so, for the first thing is to remember, again, how do we develop this desire for the word is to go back and remember. And in that remembrance is just remember the power that transformed you. It was the power of the Spirit through the Word itself. It was through the preaching. Now, I'm going to go through these in rapid rather than looking through each verse individually. But, as Peter references in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says it's the living, abiding Word of God. It's, it's through the Word. You're born again. As I'm rem- reminded of this power that transformed me, it was the living, abiding Word of God. Philippians 2, verse 16. It's the word of life. Isaiah 55, verses 10 to 11. It's my word. It shall not return to me empty. Do you see this transforming work of the word itself? This is what transformed you. Hebrews 4.12. You finish it. The word is powerful, alive, sharper than two-edged sword. It transforms Romans 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing word. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. The word which effectively works in you. The key thing is, is just to have these references, to go back to them and look at them. And with these passages, is to go back, look at each one, and then to be reminded. It's the therefore. It's therefore, go back to these verses and find a personal Application, a personal experience where you can point to the very fact is, is, is where you saw in practical application Isaiah 55.10 as this reminder that the word went out and it did not come back void or empty. Or that the word itself, it is powerful, that it shapes, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Or you've seen faith come by the hearing of the word. These are, ap- these are all examples, but serve as a reminder for us that transformed you. So the first practical one to, is how do we develop a desire for God's Word? Remember the therefore. It's the therefore. Remember the power that transformed you. 
The second one. Now we go back to verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Put aside sin. Here we go. This verse at first, at face value, as I looked at it, I'm saying, how does this fit into this? This would have been a great thing just if it all talked about the Word itself. It just would have been a nice little flow from the preaching of God's Word in verse 25 immediately to this craving. But in the middle of this thing, we have this, Peter gives us, essentially, these lists of five specific sins. And the characteristic of these is he says to put them aside, and that means to take off or to remove. And so the, the, the word itself, the Greek, it simply means to take off. Like taking off filthy clothes is the example. When Terry, you come home at night in messy clothes, I know what happens. Just get the clothes off because she doesn't even want to give you a hug until you get off of those dirty clothes, right? You just can't relax around the house with dirty clothes on. You take them off. Leave them at the back door. Leave them in the pantry. This is this, this picture, the image that we see, and this is what he is saying, this, this putting off or taking off or removing all of these. So as we, as we look at this, you're literally to remove these from your life. Now, when you look at this, of literally taking off of these clothes, that I'm reminded of some verses. So just maybe you have a verse or something at the top of your head. We see several verses in, in, in Scripture that have this parallel theme or the same call, right? Where you're supposed to take off. Any verses come to mind that you could think of? Second Corinthians 5.17, Behold, the old things are off, the new things have come, right? Taken off. We're going to look at some passages as we go through here that literally talk about, again, this imagery that we have of the same types of things. I'll just give you one. Here's Ephesians 4. I'll read it. Ephesians 4.22. Uh, I've got to go back and read 20. For... But you have, not, you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Here it is. That you put off concerning former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, a very the, the same type of characteristics that we see in here. Now, some are going to debate these things that they're going to say, well, you know what, um, in these, are they related specifically to the church? Are they at the time, like within the context of this, is that we could ask ourselves, is that was there a problem of these things going on at the church at the time? I don't have that answer. I'm just asking a question. Are these things going on today in the church? Yes. In fact, We've seen these things, these characteristics that are in people, and they manifest themselves, unfortunately, and unfavorably within the body itself. In fact, they become a very problem. Another thing that's, that's interesting about this list of these is that, as I just see a commonality, because we're going to define some of these things now, that the commonality is that they talk about individuals, don't they? Don't they? When you talk about malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and envy, and slander, isn't there usually someone that may be an object of that? Can you connect a dot between these things that are, that are done to people to the previous exhortation in verses 22 to 23 that are about relationships and about loving one another? Interesting. 
So let's take a look at the list and let's define them the best we can. Malice. Malice is just a general word that's used for all sorts of evil behavior. <laughs> word that comes to mind is malicious. Right? It's like having a malicious type attitude. Unforgiveness. Holding a grudge. Just bad blood between people. Just a general word for all sorts of evil. Wickedness would be another word that you'd see there. The second one, he, he describes putting aside all malice and all deceit. Your, your Bible might say guile. And what's actually interesting is that, that within the, the definition of what this word actually means, it really is translated in such a way to represent like deceit. It's, it's used like within a hunting type term or like trapping uh, deceitfully ways. I mean, think about uh, fishing. What is the object of fishing? How? To deceive the fish. Right? Is that you bait, the, you bait it to deceive the fish that they're, they're not just going to say, I'd like to come into your boat and I'd like to be your dinner. That's not. It's a, there's a deception there. There's a trap with bait is essentially this term. The guile is really a French term that just means sly or cunning. Uh, has a similar type of description on there. Hypocrisy. Actually, interesting hypocrisy. Do you know what it's, it really means? It just simply is, it's, it means like a, like a phoniness. And it actually was derived from this term that the Greeks would, would, I would call someone that was an actor that would put on a, what, a mask? And in that mask, they were known as hypocrites. Interesting. And so therefore, hypocrisy, it's to act like something or someone that you really weren't. You have a mask on. It's used of an actor. Isaiah 29, uh, verse 13, just a similar concept here, but I'll read that to you. Isaiah chapter 29. Verse 13, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. So therefore we have this description, almost a definition of what it is, is that their mouth and their lips appear to be close, but they're not. Their heart is not. Envy. Envy is to be jealous, to wanting what others have. Matthew 27, verse 18, actually, if you looked at that, Pilate, it says that Pilate knew that the Jews had delivered Jesus to him out of envy, that they were jealous. Lastly, slander. All evil speaking, backbiting, gossip, speaking down. Now, just a question for you. Do you think that this list is exhaustive. Just a thought. Agree. But you can see by application, it, it, it's really, it's a focus is how, how it's being described in here. I want to make a connection into the list that he's making with, again, a relationship to others as it relates to individuals. In other words, before I can truly delight in the Word, I've got I to take care of my problems. And it's, is there something that I have as a problem with you individually? These types of things, what your motives are. And so it's just, you, can flesh, you can flesh this out, but it's not exhaustive because we even see in other examples of passages that talk about other types of sin in our lives. In fact, it's a great verse for just 
put aside sin. The Word of God is like a river. Absorb all of the water that we can take in, of which these are just examples. Are is a, is a roadblock, is a dam, is different obstacles that prevent that river from flowing. Prevent us from taking water of that river. The thing that slows the river down. Obstacle to our understanding, our learning. Take a look at the third uh, point. How do we develop a desire for God's Word? Remember, uh, going back again, remembering uh, the source, remembering uh, the what transformed you, putting aside sin. Thirdly, is to recognize your need. Recognize your need. Peter gives us an illustration, in, in starting in verse 2. The first thing is, is therefore, we see this, he's, this illustration, he uses this word babies, and it's in the plural form that we have here, with looking specifically at it. Looking again at your passage in First Peter, he says, as newborn babes, it is in the plural, and specifically that we see here is that it's the same word, and I've just listed some passages there in Luke 1, 41, 18, uh, 15, and 2 Timothy 3, 15. I'll just read these passages or aspects of them, segments of them. You can look these up. For Luke 1, 4, and it, came, and it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, that the baby, the term, leaped in her womb. So this was a, a baby that was not yet born, but it's the same use of the word. Luke 18.15, and they were bringing even their babies to him so that he might touch them, to Jesus. And this is this reference again to very new babies, newborns. And then 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. And so what this image that we have here is that they're talking about infants, Okay, it's newborn. In fact, doesn't Peter? He refer. He describes it. He adds in. He says like, but then he adds what? Newborn. You see that there? He adds newborn. And so I believe that it's important to recognize that he is going out of his way to clarify that he's talking about a newborn. So it is this image that we have, and I believe that we should not. The image that we have is that it is like, and so therefore this further tells us that it is an analogy. It is like. We can all relate to that. We can all understand what that picture looks like. So it is this picture that we have of these newborn babies. And so therefore, as a newborn baby, is that there is a recognition of their need. What else does a newborn baby need? Not much. They, all they want is they want it's food. It's a brand new baby. You can... They won't know you. Whether you touch them or not, they don't really care. They immediately, when the baby was just born, is that the baby is looking for nourishment. I, I need, give me a nurse's uh, example out of those newborns. Tell me, what is it? Do they want to talk about the weather? Do they want to know what's on the menu You know, at, at, at the hospital? They don't want Like newborn babies, there's a craving for the milk. And this is really what this description is here. I want to just take a a second here and ask you a question. Does Peter's illustration that he's given us here, like newborn babies craving the pure milk of the Word, does it imply that the readers, his readers, were immature? Yes or no? What do you think? While I'm doing that, can someone... 
look up these two passages for me, or one of them and then the other. Maybe come and look up 1 Corinthians 3, 2. And if someone could look up Hebrews 5, 13 to 14. First of all, I, I, I've, there's two passages we've selected here, 1 Corinthians, that really talk about maturity. Okay, But what we'll, I think for the, for the context of this passage, when he says, like newborn babies craving, I don't have that answer. I don't believe that he is in any way addressing their maturity. Could be, could not, we don't know. But within the context of this, this is what he's not trying to teach us. Because I believe these two passages do, specifically, and they're examples that we can point to as it relates to maturity. Okay, And so let's read a couple of those, and then you can see what, why we would believe that he's not focusing on that. Someone could read 1 Corinthians 3, 2. Okay, what's going on in the Corinthian church? Contextually, it's about immaturity, isn't it? It's about that church still on milk, should be on solid food. There's a clear distinction in that example that contrasts milk from solid food. Okay, what about the Hebrews passage? Someone read that. Yeah, again, within that passage in here, it's, but solid as food is for the mature. We see this clearly. So, historically, as we just look at these believers, okay, and if you look at contextually all that Peter is reminding them of, I, there's no reason to accuse them of being immature. He's asking them to go back and remember, but there's no reason to that. The fact that we're pointing to is the fact that he uses a very simple analogy. Milk fits the analogy. And it specifically is not about that craving. This is a focus of the word itself and that craving towards the word. It is, it's like, hey, we want you to, you, you can get that in your head. It's like, like that baby craving milk is simply, like what Mark was saying, I agree, it's that, that's how we should be craving the word like the baby does. It is in no way, I don't believe, saying that you guys are immature at all. Just like you, we're not immature in that. It simply fits this. But I felt that would be important as we look at this because you don't take it in the wrong context within how Peter uses use this analogy. Fourth, how do we develop a desire for God's Word? Is to pursue growth through the Word. Pursue growth through the Word. We are too long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word. Rabbis commonly refer to the Word as milk. So we see this, the milk of the Word. And this aspect of the longing, here we are to desire this uh, Word. And I love this word longing because it is simply, uh, a couple of passages comes up, like Psalm 119.20, My soul is crushed with longing after thine ordinances at all times. Verse 131 of Psalm 119, I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Get the picture of this. The word spiritual, um, does anyone have a version of the Bible, like an ASV or NIV that has the word spiritual in there? Or your spiritual milk of the word? Yeah, you may have it. NIV, just two versions I looked at would be the ASV and the NIV. Yeah. In, in this this term spiritual, it can just it simply just means that spiritual. It means rational and reasonable. It's like what you see in 
uh, spiritual service like in, in Romans 12, it is essentially, again, that he's using this, it is pertaining to the Word. It's this Word itself. No matter, it shouldn't affect in any way the translation of it, it is simply the translation of his main idea, which is, it's the spiritual Word. It's the milk. It's, and then longing for it that we see. Longing for God's Word develops our appetite for it and enhances our partaking of it. The result is spiritual growth. The truth of God enables us to grow in respect to salvation. Spiritual growth. Our appetite is developed and enhanced when we have partaken of it. And the result is spiritual growth. It says, As newborn babies desire the milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. It is this aspect of growth. The reason that the baby is desiring and craving for the milk is so that the baby is getting its what it needs, what it said previously. But also with that is that when it's taking in what it needs, it grows physically. It's the same picture that we have to us as believers. It's how do you want to develop this desire for the word is to pursue the growth through the word itself. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you, make you free. John eight thirty two. It's just a couple of passages that I've listed there to help with that. Continuing on, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. John seventeen seventeen. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified. John seventeen nineteen. But speaking in the truth. Speaking the truth in love, we are, we are grow, we to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, Christ. Ephesians 4, 15. I share with you my soul. My soul is crushed with longing after thine ordinances at all times. Psalm 119.20 To develop a desire for God's Word, we need to pursue growth through... Not only is it spiritual, it's also pure. Now what is the significance of this Pure. What does pure mean to you? Unadulterated. Okay. Now let's just, for the sake of, of textually, what's the difference between um, milk, just milk, and pure milk? <laughs> we are buy- not buying organic milk in our home, you know. So the, you know the difference between spoiled milk, right, and pure milk. In fact, Mark used that term unadulterated. It can be like uncontaminated. It's the purity of it itself. And actually, just because within this culture itself, then people would understand what the difference of pure milk means. It is pure milk that you're going to give a baby that is not contaminated. It is clean. It's fresh. The milk is pure. As it relates to milk, as the word itself, let's relate that to doctrine. And I've listed several different verses here that, in fact, you don't have to go look much further than 1 Timothy, as well as in uh, Titus is another example, where it talks specifically about being nourished on sound doctrine, where pastors in 1 Titus 1, a you know, pastor elder is exhorted in sound doctrine. Titus 2.1, we are to speak the things that are fitting for sound doctrine. Titus 2.7, we are, to, we are to be an example of good deeds with purity of doctrine. Titus 2.7 Titus 2.10 We should adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all ways. And so, you know, as I, I try to make a connection between this 
pursuit of growth through the Word is there is also this aspect of the Word itself being pure, and we can relate that to sound doctrine itself. And that, I believe, is one of the, the problems that we see in the church today is that there is not this focus on the teaching of sound doctrine. to the very things. Well, last one. How do you develop a desire for God's Word? And that is consider His goodness and His blessing. The illustration that we had, Peter used, was the illustration of the baby. This newborn baby that is craving and is desiring the Word. The motivation for that baby is to grow. And so that by you may grow that which brings salvation growth. And this aspect of the salvation growth, I'm going to tell you, you can go back and look at the first 12 verses of 1 Peter, and that's what he's almost referencing to the fact is, is that he is saying is that there's salvation. It's not a question of whether we're saved or not. It's a question of do we understand the fullness of salvation in all aspects of it. Consider His goodness and His blessings. Now, five practical points. God's Word is the agent of spiritual growth in our lives. So what would be five things that are practical in nature that help us to, again, develop this desire for God's Word? Consider His goodness and blessings. The first one is to listen to the Word. But, listen to it, not just the Word, listen to it passionately. Listen to it passionately. When we see this word passionately, what comes with it is this eagerness. It is this quick to hear. It is this worship that we see within the hearing of God's word. I just want to read a really great quote. Uh, Thomas Watson, he, he gave guidelines on how to listen to a sermon. Come to the word, quote, come to the word with a holy appetite and a teachable heart. Sit under the word attentively. Receive it with meekness. Do you see the difference in just listening to it? Is there's an aspect of preparation. Um, that, that passage in, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. It is a heart preparation, passionately. Two, is to read it. I heard this, we just got to be in the Word. Read it. But it is more than just being in the Word. It's being in the Word regularly. These are the how-tos. Listen to the Word passionately. Read it regularly. Psalm 119.9 How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy Word. Verse 11 Thy Word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Verse 16 of Psalm 119 I shall delight in my statutes. I shall not forget thy word. Read it regularly. What happens when you read three chapters a day of the Bible? Do it in a year. Read four chapters a day. Through it in ten months. If you read six chapters a day, you're through it in six months. Or, one chapter per day, you'll get through it three years. (laughs) Three months. It's a longer time. Read it regularly. Thirdly, Study it carefully. I love the passage in Acts 17.11 about the Bereans, right? They received the word with all what? Readiness. And they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. We see the aspect and the diligence of 
studying it carefully. Meditate on it worshipfully. Meditate on it worshipfully. Psalm 119.15, I will meditate on thy precepts, guard thy ways. And then lastly, obey it faithfully. James 1.22-25, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers. Lead themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. And so lastly, this last point is consider his goodness and his blessings. So that motivation is, brings us to this place of your qualification. Look in closing at this end of this passage. It says in verse 3 that we come as newborn babes desiring the pure milk of the word that we may grow by it. It says, if indeed that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Peter is likely thinking about Psalm 34, 8. That's the reference in your, your Bible there where it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8. And so the qualification is if indeed that you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Question, have you? You are qualified. And the more of God's goodness that you enjoy on your spiritual palate, per se, the greater will be your longing for more. This is this craving that we have. You just cannot get enough of it. It's the therefore. It's the, it, you have. That's what I'm saying. It's a qualification. You are qualified because you have received all of what preceded in this reminder in chapter 1. It goes back again. You've received the word, been born again by it. Kim? I keep eye on all this. It's the relationship that we've seen lives my life. Yeah, and that's this relationship. It makes a lot of sense because I'm connecting that back to how can, how can I do it? I'm qualified because I've been born again. And I can love fervently. That passage we looked at earlier, that love was connected to truth. That's the work of God. So that's this outflow. That, amen to that. And as we continue in our study from here, is that now that it'll, it'll start to segue into these great privileges that we have in Christ. What do we have now? So thanks for uh, going through this introduction of uh, chapter 2. <laughs> and uh, we'll pick up when we go on this. But uh, let's... Uh, close with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you uh, for your word. Father, just, uh, no, there is uh, no greater uh, truth than to be reminded of that your word endures forever. Father, we thank you for uh, this uh, heartfelt uh, reminder for us today. Lord, we also see how this passage just it just exudes with the authority of your word but it also father reminds us of your graciousness and your mercy to us as your children father we fail you uh, even by looking at the uh, the sin that's in our lives but we father we've been redeemed and we have been saved from that and so we've been we live for Christ and so i thank you that uh, as we would even leave here father you just prepare us even for passionately preparing us for your word every day. 
And so we thank you for this analogy, this, this your Spirit's teaching of us today. And uh, we just give all thanks and praise to you, Father, for your, your great goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, picking you back up next week.